Relax your shoulders. Unclench your teeth. Unfurrow your brow. Elongate your spine. Unclench your glutes. Relax your knees. These are all things you can do no matter if you're walking, driving, laying down, sitting in an office chair. Just relax. Relaxing doesn't mean losing focus. You can still drive your car, be fully aware of what's going on around you, and still relax. We endure a lot of anxiety while driving. Take the time to relax your body. Play music that will calm you and see a difference in how you respond to yourself and hopefully other drivers as well. I always tell people sleep is the greatest form of meditation because it is. So if you're sitting or laying down at home right now, allow yourself time to relax all areas of your body and center yourself. Focus on meditation, but welcome sleep with open arms. If you're working, allow yourself brief moments of silence, whether this is in your office, in a bathroom stall, on an elevator when you're alone, in a stairwell, Allowing your body time to relax and providing yourself with silence doesn't need to be 30 minutes to an hour. Focusing on you has no time limit. It's just important that you do it. So, take a moment to relax today. See how it feels and then try it again. Find what form of relaxation best suits you. But always remember you get to make time for yourself and allow that time to be spent recentering you. I hope that helps. Okay, misfits, let's get healed. Welcome to The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal, and I am your host, Sensei Raven Akundayo. February 2023, that was the last time we were all together, Misfit Universe, and a lot has happened in that time. Now, I can't go into too much or I'll ruin the next week's episode. (laughs) So I'll just say that I've been on quite an emotional, mental, and spiritual roller coaster. I look forward to you all hearing more about it next week. Now, on the last episode, I talked about wanting to get more into back-to-back episodes of THS Podcast. However, the truth is I can't say that anymore. Life is going to life. And while I don't ever foresee this podcast coming to an end, I'm not able to keep posting episodes consistently because where I am in life right now just doesn't give to that. 
So I appreciate all of you who have remained loyal listeners to THS and have continued to be on this journey with me. I look forward to sharing my stories with you and the blessings that have come from them soon. But today is all about the next generation, Gen Z to be exact. At my nine to five, I've been blessed to meet some pretty amazing interns that have worked with us in the research department. Early 20-somethings looking to make an impact in this world. So I wanted to talk to them about a wide range of topics. First up, I talked with Amani Allen and Michelle Amechi, followed by my conversation with Zykevius Gamble. These conversations are inspiring and will help you in believing this world may just be okay after all. Rest in peace, Toshe Sibley. Dance free now, my brother. You are loved and will never be forgotten. Okay, misfits. Enjoy. Okay, misfits. We are back. We are back. We are back. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I don't know if I've ever actually stated on the Healing Space podcast my current nine to five. I know when I lived in Atlanta, I talked about uh, my job in mental health all the time, but I don't know if I've talked about working in research for public health. So if this is the first time, ta-da, that's my nine to five in the new city that I live in. So <laughs> as with that, I've had an opportunity to meet some amazing spirits while on this journey in this new nonprofit. And these two uh, young spirits, That'll lead into my first question. I'll say young spirits <laughs> until we clarify some things. These two young spirits have joined as interns. And so in doing this episode where we're healing through the next generations, I wanted an opportunity to hear voices for as many people as possible. And I was honored when they said that they will be willing to be on the show. So first of all, thank you for both being here. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to first start off with introductions. So that'll lead me here. This episode is dedicated to highlighting the LGBTQIA community as well as our accomplices. So if either of you wouldn't mind, I would like for you both to state your preferred pronouns, of course, names first. <laughs> and if you're comfortable, if you're an accomplice or within the actual community. Please understand that if you would like to share both or would like to share neither, it's totally okay. I know it's corny to say, but the healing space is a safe space. So by all means, name face, I mean, name face, name first, <laughs> and then go into those other things. Okay, so we can start off with Michelle first. Oh, well, me first, of course. Um, <laughs> me first, I don't even know why. Uh, so my name is Michelle, I go by she, hers, and I would say I'm more of an accomplice, you know, I believe accepting everyone. So I don't know if I really have a name for it. I just believe accepting everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Imani? Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Imani. Um, my preferred pronouns are she, her, hers. And I feel like accomplice sounds like I'm committing a crime. So I would like to say I'm an ally of the community. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, understood. So just FYI, oftentimes when accomplice is used within the community, it's because an ally can be somebody who's like, you know, when it comes time for pride season, 
I'm here at Target and I'm like, yay, pride flag. And then the minute June is over, you're like, okay, well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, you'll go online and you post it, you're like pride for everybody. And then that's the last anybody hears from you. And accomplice is like, I'm out in the streets with you. I'm doing the work. So of course accomplice isn't just for those who are for the queer community. That could be, you know, a white person who's doing the exact same thing for black people and all that stuff. So this is not to say you need to change, of course, ally works, but just so you know, going forward. Because first time I heard accomplice, I was like, accomplice? <laughs> I was like, that sounds questionable. <laughs> and then it was broken down to me and I was like, that, that, I got it. Okay, okay got you, yeah. got you. I like the way you explained it. Okay, I don't mind being called an accomplice to the community. That sounds okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, give us a little bit of a backstory on both of you, specifically culture, your cultural history, and how you believe it shaped who you are. We can flip it around this time and start with Imani. So my mom's side of the family was born in the states. My grandma moved to St. Petersburg when she was, I think she was 16. And this was during like the Jim Crow era. So, you know, segregation, all these things were going on. But she was one of the like graduating nurses from LPN school, like one of the first black nurses from their vocational school. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that really was, she was really my role model growing up because, you know, there's still a shortage of Black doctors and Black healthcare providers. And, like, for her Absolutely. to be one of the first in our hometown, I don't know, that's just, like, really warms my heart. My dad's side is from Jamaica. Um, I really like the Caribbean aspect of my heritage. I feel like that's the nice little, like, spice to my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I identify equally with both, um, being African-American and Caribbean. And I feel like it makes me like a real rounded individual because I see things from, you know, the American perspective and I see them from having an immigrant parent, so. Yeah. And, and that's always an interesting conversation to have with people who have a similar background to yours who have been on the podcast, like what that looks like, you know, to, to have immigrant parents, uh, especially for those who are first generation and what that looks like for them in that journey. So I think that that's beautiful that you accept the balance between the two, because there are some people that have a fight, you know, that feels as though they have to choose. A lot of times people believe that that's just because you're multiracial, but it also goes deeper than that, you know? It can still be within your blackness that there are different areas that you may have to battle with as well. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Michelle, what about you? Hi, cool. So I am Nigerian American. Both of my parents immigrated here circa 1990s. So they grew. I grew. I was born here, so I grew up in the states. I am the youngest of three brothers. So very weird being the only girl in my house. My parents are traditional people. They really believe in gender roles. I mm. so we did butt heads a lot when I was younger, and I think that really shaped me who I am because I would say I'm a very non-traditional Nigerian woman. Unfortunately to my mother, I'm just not. <laughs> so that kind of shaped me culturally. Like I accept parts of my culture as other part. I'm like, no, I don't do that. Right. And it's been a long while. I think my parents have kind of come to accept that, that I'm who I am. So a little about me, I'm Nigerian, but I wouldn't say I'm the most traditional like Nigerian girl you'll ever meet. So kind of view things in a different perspective than people yeah. who I guess are really into 
being a traditional Nigerian person. So were, uh, were all of your siblings born here as well? Yes, everyone was born here. Okay. So have you, have you, of course, with them, with your parents having these ideas that go along with tra uh, traditional Nigerian roots, is the same thing seen for the males as well? Like, and when I ask that question, I mean, do all of your brothers flow in line with tradition or do some of them kind of go against it the way you do? I would say it got less, less, less after each person was born. Eldest brother, not like he's traditional, but you know, I guess in an American type of way. My second brother, eh. My third brother, no at all. Completely different. <laughs> he's not like that. Me, mix of both, but less. So I feel like as each person was born, it got less and less and less. Less and less, yeah. yeah. I think that actually fits perfectly with this conversation. You know, that's the reason why I wanted to have all of you on here to talk about how many things are similar within the generations and how many things have actually changed. Uh, we would be surprised by how many things are still the same, you know, three, four generations removed and then how much progress we've made. Okay, so uh, you all grew up in a time that looks eerily familiar to a time not too long ago. Uh, you've grown up around traumatizing amounts of death and harm toward Black bodies. For many of us, we've seen it for decades. However, as Gen Zers, a generation we assumed wouldn't have to be a witness to these atrocities, what has it done to you both mentally and emotionally? I'll let whoever wants to go first answer. Or I'll just call on one of you. <laughs> well, flip a coin, whoever... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just go back and forth the way I did with the first one. So Literally. Michelle, it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I would once first say is that this does not shock me. It's, ignorance is passed down. So just mm. learning about history in America and other nations, it wasn't as shocking to me. It makes me sad that ignorance is passed down. But it also made me realize that a lot of the change that we want, you have to fight for uh, equity. Anything mm -hmm. in the world, even historical, everyone has had to fight for it. So unfortunately, you know, I would hope that we wouldn't have to fight as much. But as we see now that if you don't fight for your rights, there's a certain group of people that want to take it away. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's really just kind of sad. I understand the older generation just wants to see the newer generation fighting, but I like I think fighting is human nature. So it has made me realize that we got to fight for what we want. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you said what you said as far as ignorance is passed down, because that's a conversation that I think that a lot of people don't want to accept. And not just the older generation, but there's some younger people who sadly don't want to accept that either, you know, uh, especially when you go on some mental health spaces. When you're talking to therapists and things of that nature, me as a life coach, I've had sessions with people who refuse to believe that a lot of their trauma, a lot of their triggers, a lot of their anger comes from what was passed down to them thoughts that they have that they believe are their own that were actually poured into them by the generations that came before them. So I'm glad that you said that, especially being a Gen Zer and uh, understanding that and being aware of it instead of, you know, kind of walking blindly, or as I like to say, being caught in the matrix. So <laughs> that is very good to hear. What about you, Imani? Um, when, I guess when I was younger, um, it was more like covert racism that I experienced. So if you weren't really paying attention to it you a lot of things would like fly over my head I mean I guess mm. I was because I was younger as well so but now I notice that a lot of more like things are happening that are overtly racist 
and it's like I don't know it's really scary to me living in America being a minority um, I don't know I feel like a lot of minorities feel like this too but they have to change the way they navigate society being a minority and that's stressful yeah which I don't think is a conversation. And you, you can all let me know uh, whether or not there's been quite a change. I know for me, when I was your age, there weren't a lot of spaces for us to be able to talk about stuff like that, you know? Um, and if we did want to talk about that, now, of course, you know, like I said, I have the misfit universe. I proudly consider myself to be a weirdo, you know? So I'm somebody who stands on the outskirts of things. So we created our own spaces. But as far as the overall... Uh, country talking about it open and honestly, especially when it comes to black households, that's not something that was a thing back then. Uh, now, am I correct in believing that that's becoming more of a norm for your generation to talk about mental yes. health and what it looks like being black and young in this generation? Yes, I think it's more often now that people are realizing that mental health is more common than we think and that really what we deem as, oh, this is just a phase, it's actually a common cause of mental illness. So compared to a good chunk of years ago when people didn't believe that teens or even young adults were mentally ill, like you can't be depressed, how old are you? Now it's more common to admit that people go through stresses all ages of life. So I do agree, spaces are more open now than it was a good chunk of years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. Imani? I also agree that it's becoming more, um, more open talking about mental health because growing up, it was definitely taboo to talk about mental health in the Black community. It was like frowned down upon, but I'm glad that it's changing because mental health is important, very important, so. Very, uh, and I think that makes a great segue to the second, I mean, to the second, to the next question. So beautiful segue, because one of the ways that we've normalized talking about mental health has been social media. And social media can be both a healing tool as well as a way to destroy whole communities. So where do you both stand on the idea of social media? And do you think that we can make a more balanced, positively informative and healing space, haha, <laughs> for others? <laughs> we can start with you first, Imani. Let me know if you need me to read that again. I think social media is whatever you make it out to be because mm. It, it can be used for good things, of course, like how we have um, like your podcast, for example, and different outlets on Instagram and TikTok, for example, but it can also be used negatively to portray negative stereotypes and spread harm. So I just feel like if you focus on the good, then it will be used as a healing tool. I find a lot of things online and I feel like that is therapeutic, like places to go, food to try, you know, recipes to try out and whatnot. So as long as you're using it for positive things, then I think it's great. Yeah. I, I like that you said that. To add a little bit to that, something that I found out, I, I won't necessarily say I was naive to it, I think I just wasn't looking for it, is the option to be able to block or mute or things of that nature, you know? Uh, the way the algorithm works as well, you know, according to what it is you're looking at the most is what it is that they'll begin to give you the most. I've definitely found that a lot of things that focus more on the negative or violence or things of that nature have slowly gone away on my different timelines according to what app I'm on. So I think that plays a big part into it too. But that, that 
I feel like that leads into an entirely different conversation to have <laughs> as far as you know, if you have a positive mindset, that's such an interesting, I would love to dig so deep into what you just said, but I think that makes for a really, really good conversation. Thank you for that. Uh, Michelle? I have a completely opposite view. I'm so sorry. I, I love that though. That's good. I personally see no benefit of social media if it's not for educational or community purposes. Because I'm personally seeing this, even in my own life, that people cannot make the distinction of like what is real online and then what is in the real life. Like it's mm-hmm. the lines are getting really blurred that like we don't like what we say on Instagram is not real life. Like people are getting like we're seeing a lot of acts of violence and people getting very paranoid because they think what they're seeing on Twitter is how people are acting in real life and politicians and corporations are using that to actually affect real life. So I feel like it needs to be monitored more. Unfortunately, you can't really monitor the internet. But based on what I've seen, I have a more negative side of social media because until people can start actually determining, like people don't have nuance. Like we can't tell, like I can see what's on Instagram and know that whatever is, I have an Instagram is not happening in my life, but some people legitimately cannot tell that's different. So I have a more negative point of view just because that, it's harder. I think the way the social media is set up, it's so hard to kind of see like what's actually real, what's not. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you define as real? That might be another thing as well. I I mean, I want to attempt to change your your wording, of course, because I respect that you're saying negative. I don't think it's negative. <laughs> I, I love no, 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 not at all. I love both of your responses. You'll find the the more that we talk. I know we may not have a chance to, you know, like sit and have long conversations in office, but the word balance is my favorite word. I love balance. And what the two of you presented just now was beautiful balance. Uh, and I believe that both just so happen to be true. Uh, if you walk with me on social media, you see that I'm all about posting positivity, you know, but the longer I've been on this earth, and especially once I began to work in mental health, I realized that we have to also be realistic with ourselves. And we have to understand that not everything is sunshine and roses. So while I operate from a place of, uh, of light, I'm very full aware of everything Michelle just said. And all of it is true, you know? <laughs> so it's like you can make a decision that you're going to operate in light and that's what you'll lead with, but don't allow yourself to be so naive that you don't realize everything that Michelle said as well. You know? I like that. I like the balance part. That's what I like the most is that, I don't know if I just have crazy conversations with people anymore, but like, it's like balance doesn't exist. So I feel like I have to say like all this negative stuff because right. balance is. Yes, because <laughs> there there are some people who just want to live with rose cl- colored glasses on, but it's because, and again, not to go back to, shoot, no, go back to the Matrix. There, there are people, and I'm not sure how familiar either of you are with the movie, but there's yeah. a scene that I always talk to people about, and I need to go back and remember this dude's name because it would help me to explain it so much better. But there's a scene where a guy who used to be with Zion is having a meal with Mr. Smith in a, uh, in a restaurant and he's eating the steak and he's talking about how good the steak tastes. And even though he understands what it is that all the rebels and stuff are doing in Zion, he can't have steak in Zion. So he's willing to be willfully ignorant so that he can live within the matrix. And I use that all the time because I believe that that's, a, that's how a lot of humans operate. 
we operate in a sense of I'd rather just put on my rose colored glasses and accept the world as it is because it's exhausting for me to attempt to wake up and actually make a difference, you know? So that's why I said, I didn't think that what you were saying is negative at all. I see you as being very awake, even though, you know, these days over the last few years, we've tried to make a woke seem to be a negative, but <laughs> I believe that you are very awake and it's, it's necessary to have, and I'll just let this be the last thing. I talk about the war. And when I say when there's a war for positivity and negativity, there are people who are going to have different stances in this war. If you're looking at an army, then you're going to have people who I would say from this conversation would be Michelle, who could be on the front lines, you know, who are like, I'm taking this fight to you. I know what it is you're doing and this is what I'm about, you know? Then I look at somebody more like myself and Imani. And so, you know, people would talk to me because before I was Michelle in my early 20s, I was Michelle, like power all day. Like it was all about, listen, this is this is what the real is. I'm bringing it to you. But as I got older and started to do more healing work, I realized that I became the healer. And in that instance, healers are needed just as much in the army as those on the front line. Healers are akin to the nurses and the doctors who are waiting for you to come back from war. You feel me? So it's like if Michelle goes out and she's out there, if her mental, if her physical, if her emotional is attacked, she needs a space that she could come back to with people who are able to pour into her again so that she can prepare to go back out there and continue battling. You feel me? So that's the reason why I said I love both of your responses, because it's balanced. And what we have to learn is that we don't have to have the exact same frame of mind as long as the end goal is the same. Make sense? Right. I like that that take. That was nice. Oh, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So uh, this year, the Supreme Court has held a has had a field day rolling back historic rulings on women's reproductive rights, affirmative action, and more. Millennials and Gen Zs will be leading this country in the years to come. What do you believe will shift us from where we are now to where we can go? Imani first. People actually voting and registering to vote. I feel like people are getting lazy with voting and they think, well, my voice isn't really gonna make a difference, but like it, it really is. If everyone thinks my voice is gonna make a difference, no one is gonna vote. And then if nobody votes, then it's just going to be the same thing happening. So I feel like just going to vote and actually being like present in politics, like it's actually important. It affects everything that's going on. Yeah. Isn't that the tricky thing? It's like some people feel as though I don't like either candidate, so I'm not going to vote at all. Or like, like as Obama in his second term, everyone was so sure that he was going to win that there weren't as many people who voted as it did in the prior election. And so it's like you you get into this place where you're just like, I am so certain that this person is going to win that I don't even need to vote. I'm going to sit at home. Or I dislike both candidates so much and that's how we get a Trump. So <laughs> it's interesting what you said. You know, it's like you need to go out and do it no matter what, because you don't know what could end up happening. I say that while also, as we lead into Michelle, I say that while also believing, and this is a, a statement I'm about to say that has been very controversial in the past. I don't believe that our ancestors died for us to have the option to vote. I think they died for us to have the option to choose. So that's what they wanted for us. 
They wanted us to be able to make the choice. We didn't have that before. So they died so that they didn't, that didn't get to be an option anymore. Not saying that we must vote no matter who it is. Because my thing is, is if all three of us on this call right now didn't like any of the candidates, what does that mean that we're voting for somebody we don't even care for just so we can say we voted, you know? But okay, so what about you, Michelle? Three in a sense. Like, I said in the sense that people feel like the end times are coming, America's finished. I'm like, okay, let's chill out for five minutes. <laughs> like, America, let's be real, is probably going to go through a very, very rough patch in the probably the decade. Like, it's going to be a very rough patch. But it's not like this is, this is how these things kind of work. Like, it's really crazy to know that people think this is brand new. I'm like, no, this is decades in the making. They started this from Reagan, 1990, 80. This is till now. They've been planning this for decades. This is not new. They knew this was going to happen. So like, they want people to feel defeated and not vote. Like I said, we have to go vote. You have to see, like, I think it's in Michigan. They started doing something, said the two-party system that they have like a leader system. So you vote who you want. And then if that candidate loses, you have like choice, like first, second, third. So then you still have a level of choice, but that person you don't want, you have a second person. So that's a way to modify the two-party system. So at least mm -hmm. it pushes people to at least vote because it's like, well, at least my guy didn't go, this person who is blah, 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 has a chance. So some of the things you agree with can be looked at. So I know it's hard. It's a lot of mental anguish, trust me. It's bearing down on everybody. Like we're really in this stage. Like America is like, I guess, like a superpower and it's doing all these things. I mean, I guess we're a world super, I don't know anymore. But it's kind of thing is like, you kind of can't let them win that, that mentality of like, this is what they want. And it, it takes a lot to understand that. It's really hard. Like once you really look into American history and understand how functions and these programs and these groups work, this is kind of the point. They want people to feel defeated so that you don't do anything and they stay in power. It's going to be a rough couple of years. I'm not going to lie. We're going to see a lot of crazy stuff. But we're seeing, we just have to really make, we're seeing other politicians, younger politicians who are trying to make change and realize like, no, this doesn't make sense. We're having the same conversation and we need to actually do something. Like no more mm -hmm. just saying, well, thoughts and prayers. Like no more thoughts and prayers, actually, wow. actually do something. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Like it's a very rough patch and it's, I think it's going to open a lot of new conversations that we need to be really honest about what we're voting for, who we're voting for, and what we actually stand in. So that's how I kind of feel. Amen, Anache. Yes. <laughs> Between <laughs> the two of you, you both have had responses that have made me want to lead into really deep next questions. So I'm going to have to have you both back on. Because oh. <laughs> just with that, I was like, oh, we could do a deep dive into that. Yes. That's a lot, okay. But we'll go ahead with our last question. And so I always like to end the question, my conversations, my interviews on something positive. And so healing, of course, with this being the healing space is very important to me. So I would like to know, what does healing look like for the both of you? What does your self-care routine look like? And one of the things that uh, I've been talking about, a dear friend of mine, had introduced me to the term uh, self-care team. And it's someone that I actually met through us helping us. And in sharing that with me, it meant a lot because I had never really thought of the term self-care team, but it put into my mind what it was I had when I lived in Atlanta. And so a self-care team, I had a therapist, I had a masseuse, 
I had someone that I went to for manis and petties. I had my barber. I had my mountain that I went to to do yoga. You know, it was like, so there was a whole, the women that I went to to get my eyebrows threaded. Like, it was like I had a whole self-care team to make me feel good and to be able to have my exhales when I needed to after dealing with this, you know, difficult world as it can be at times. So just to give you all an idea of what I mean when I say self-care team. So what does that look like for the both of you? And uh, we can start with Michelle first. Uh, wow. I don't really have a self-care team or really a self-care routine. I'm still learning how to self-care. Unfortunately, the major I have is pretty demanding of me. So it is very hard for me to take breaks. Still learning, senior, learning how to take breaks. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just funny game. I'm still learning, like, I can't force myself to go to work. So I guess my self-care, if I can do it, is, um, what I try to do is that I, it, I, it's usually, I have stuff I haven't done, like, read or watched in a really long time because I've been so busy. So self-care for me is, like, finally watching or reading the thing I've been wanting to read for mm-hmm. a month. Or playing a game on my Switch that's just sitting there that I bought for way too much money. And <laughs> the dang thing. I paid $60. I might as well play it. So that's basically <laughs> how I start doing my self-care. Like, you know, doing stuff I haven't done, watching something I usually like, or just even chatting with a friend or a family member about something just nice combos. Helps me relax a bit. Still learning how to take breaks. That's something I haven't learned, established. And I need to. It's very important. But very hard little stuff. I'm just doing little stuff that I guess makes me happy in the moment. That's my self-care. That's it's it's interesting to have a conversation with you because that's how I felt. Uh, around when I was 25 was when I started my first magazine. And so it was like, for me, with a lot of my 20s, I didn't know, you know, I, I saw friends who were like, they're going out to drink, they're going out to party and all that stuff. And I was like, I have a brand that I need to create. So I was hustling in my 20s. So the whole idea of a break, like self-care, what are you talking about? My self-care is this money I'm about to make when I get this magazine out there. So it's like listening to you, I'm like, I get it, I get it. Uh, But I love what it was that you shared as far as being able to play your game or being able to, you know, watch something on streaming or something of that nature, because a lot of people don't get that that's self-care as well. Going home and allowing yourself to just lay and play, that's also self-care because you're taking care of you and more importantly, you're taking a moment to just be silent. So that's that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And you, Imani? Oh, hi, who are we looking at, Imani? For those this of you who are listening only on the podcast, there's this beautiful dog that's now in her lap. <laughs> <laughs> this is my dog, Chocolate. And Chocolate is part of my self-care team. Oh. Really, it's just me and him. Um, for my self-care routine, I like to spend time with my dog or cook. Um, I really like to cook. That's my favorite thing to do. And chocolate likes to eat. So you see how that works. <laughs> um, and Or I like to take naps too. That's also a good pastime. So I like to find stuff like in between my day. So yeah. I have a little bit of downtime at least every day because it was hard for me to take breaks too. But like taking breaks is very necessary. Mm-hmm. So yes. Little what kind of dog He's a Chihuahua and Jack Russell Terrier mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first of all, I can't wait to get a dog. That's the first thing. So I'm <laughs> absolutely loving <laughs> watching this right now. Uh, two, the same for me, like my, for anyone who listens to the podcast, they know that I'm the absolute opposite of a foodie. Like 
food and me, we're like, we all right. <laughs> I pretty much just eat to live. Um, but when I do cook, it is very, very therapeutic. So I definitely feel you on that. If I cooked more, that would be a wonderful feeling. So, and naps. We could do a whole episode on the importance of naps. Cause I lived a long part of my life being like, if I'm taking naps, I'm lazy. And then like over the last like two years, baby. <laughs> naps are like a very integral part of my day. I have to take a nap. <laughs> Honestly, like, like, so you guys know about the, uh, the meditation rooms that I created in the building. Yeah, baby. Like, <laughs> talk about a place to go and take a nap. Yeah. And if y'all haven't been in there, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it because it is definitely a great place to go. Um, I can all I can also teach you all to use the sound bowls and everything, the singing bowls. Um, so really awesome. So that is it. If uh, the misfits would like to be able to walk with you on, on social media, how would they go about doing that? Imani, if they want to walk with you. Um, my social media is my first and last name, Imani Allen. I am A-N-I-A-L-L-E-N-N. Two N's at the end. Two N's. Okay. And so that's across all platforms? Yeah. Okay. And what about you, Michelle? Uh, the only social media I am in is Insta because I don't understand how to use Twitter. Sorry. I was like, this is too confusing. So I'm not on it. This is the only one. And it is, it is, well, it's actually my tradition name. It's O-T-O-L-U-C-H-I dot A-M-A. And I have those little, I don't really call them like the space thing, like the line thing. I don't know. It's called oh, the underscore. <laughs> Yeah, underscore. I'm so sorry. I was like, what is that? Underscore OG dot AOA score. It all just to say my name, Michelle A on it. But yeah, that's really the only thing I'm on. But yeah. The funny thing is, I feel like with just this conversation, I've learned so much more about you all than since you've been in the building. Wow, and, that's crazy. Right? And when I was moving over to Michelle, I genuinely said to myself, I said, she's either going to say <laughs> that she's not on social media at all, or that she has like one app. <laughs> like, no, it's just that I really don't know how to use Twitter. Like I tried to go on a couple of years ago and then I got so confused. Now I'll be on there to see what other people post, but I don't post myself. Yeah. I mean, especially the way it is now, I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I, don't I would know say, anymore. right. I was like, you should go to spill or thread. Like one, maybe, one of those. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, I'm like planning to do stuff with like video stuff later on. So maybe eventually, once I figure it out, I don't even know. Maybe I need a tutorial. Uh, then I'll pop on there. I don't know. We'll see. I may need a tutorial first. It's a little, a little complex, the learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on The Healing Space. I greatly appreciate you two joining us. Thanks thank for you. having us. I enjoyed it. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you. thank you so much. All right, Misfits, we will be right back. Okay, Misfits, we are back. And so I've been looking forward to this conversation because this young brother and I had a conversation for, what would you call it? Like a live? So we wouldn't call it a podcast, right? Like a live? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a live. And just, yeah. Uh, but it's funny because it was a live, but not a live. Yeah. So there's a live. Hey, like about a 10 minute live. 
Right. <laughs> There's a live that I do for the organization that I work for on Instagram. However, I decided I wanted to be unique and for the first time do a pre-recorded episode. And that's what we did. And it's called Deeper Dives. And for a number of reasons, it ended up being pushed back for a while. And I was like, well, we had a great conversation on there. So I want us to find some way to come together so that we can still have a conversation that people can hear. And so I wanted to bring him on for this episode um, of The Healing Space. And it just so happens about two days before we recorded this, I found out that we now have uh, the go-ahead to put up that episode of Deeper Dives. So you'll get to hear two different conversations from myself and my guest this afternoon, Mr. Zykevius Gamble. Welcome, welcome to The Healing Space. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be a part of the space. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, first, I wanted to start off by asking you to share your preferred pronouns. So my preferred pronouns are he, him. Okay. Keep in mind that I literally called you Mr. Zykevius. <laughs> you love it at that. You told me what they were. Like, you told me. Okay. okay. <laughs> Mr. As, as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, Lord, I'm glad I know him already. I'm glad I know his preferred pronouns already. You just had to clarify just one more time. Just one more right. time. I was like, I would have definitely stopped this. I'm like, so we're going to re-record. Write <laughs> <laughs> it back one more time. The misfits will destroy me. Okay, so just FYI. Um, and I don't know if I've told you this before, but those who walk with me on social media, I don't call them followers. I say that they walk with me and they are my misfits. So if you have anything to do with anything that's my brand, Scorpio or the healing space or the love movement, you're all misfits. So when you hear me mention misfits, that's who I'm talking about. Okay. So in knowing that you identify as a cisgender man, I want to talk to you about what it looks like for you. I consider myself to be an older millennial. I was born in November of 1979. So technically I'm generation X, but I was around one or two when millennials began. So I identify more as a millennial. What do you believe are the biggest differences between Gen Z and millennial Black queer men? Mm. I feel like millennial queer Black men are like more mm, cautious. I feel like my generation of like being gay in this space is it's, it's more of like a, it's, 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 more accepted it's more like free it's more like just do what you do and be who you are like there's just so many uh, ways to identify and to like express yourself in it but i feel like the older the og gays i, I would say are more structured like this is what it looks like and this is what you have to do and you got to protect yourself and you can't be doing too much i feel like i wouldn't see more of the i don't know if it's appropriate to say but flamboyancy gay og gay in the the OG I wouldn't see that more in the OG game but I feel like I would I find that a lot in my generation like it's just everybody can be flamboyant and still be a man you know it's still the same exact thing and so I feel like it's more of a freeness is it's more of my generation okay I want to unpack that a little bit because I just to, <laughs> to to give clarity to the first of all it's hilarious that you are looking at millennials as OG gay <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like completely negating ba baby boomers altogether. <laughs> but it's like to, to unpack a little bit of what it is that you're saying, I think that you're saying, and I think the very last thing you said, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the very last thing you said is the most important part. Because of course, you know, um, in the older days with like the baby boomers and things of that nature, they were the ones that really led Vogue into pop culture and things of that nature. So of course there were a lot of flamboyant queer men back then. Right. But I think you more so mean like in this day and time, the the flamboyancy doesn't have to come with what people would normally believe it looks like, you know? Like, I think I'm finally learning what the proper term for butch queen is. So yeah. you and I would be- Oh my gosh, I'm literally just learning that. So I'm like, what does butch queen actually mean? Right. Like, what, what did that look like? And then my friend told me and broke it down. I'm like, oh. Listen, okay. people have been breaking butch queen down to me for years. <laughs> and I think only now it's finally making sense. Yeah, yeah, and I, I feel like, and that's why I'm saying I feel like it's more of a, it's more of a thing now to be flamboyant, so you can identify as it. I kind of like make it into a term, like you can. Yeah, because I'm looking at you like, and me. Yeah. yeah, like you and I would be considered butch queens. Right. However, we can be comfortable in our flamboyancy and still look the way we do. Exactly. Like years ago, in order for you to be flamboyant, you had to also have a certain external look to you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Where in this day and age with your generation, it's like I can be as feminine as I want to be, and that doesn't take away from my masculinity, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that the misfits listening understood that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, there is a comfortability that I love seeing in younger millennials and Gen Zers when it comes to that, you know? Yeah. And I think it's something that people, even in your generation, you know, it's according to how you were raised, yeah. that people are still getting used to, are still getting used to the idea that you can have, you know, the, the full beard, you know, yeah. and it's like you can have this deep voice and all of these things that in, in this heteronormative society, we are told are supposed to be a manly man, you know, and yet you can still embrace your full feminine. Right. You feel me? And it doesn't make you any less of anything. Is if 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 anything, it completely balances you out instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's for me. That's something I'm I'm growing to become more comfortable with because I do have my full beard, and the term trade has been very associated with me. And so I'm trying to like, <laughs> what exactly like? What am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I'm only being myself. Why? Like, it's always associated with my name. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to become more and more comfortable with who I am. So I don't, I'm not saying it won't happen, but like, you know, I might get trained. But, you know, I'm a little uh, <laughs> wait, wait. So, okay. So right now, you're giving mad trade, like for real. Right now, like <laughs> the misfits can't see you on camera, but legit, like you're giving tradey trade. <laughs> Unknowingly, not even trying, just nat like natural. Right. But like when you first came to us at us helping us, I think wasn't your hair a different color? It was blonde, yep. 
Yes. So that was like, okay, if we're going by stereotypes, clockable, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's like we're looking at you now with the like, like, okay, so we had a conversation before we started recording because I noticed I was like, your face looks different. So he had shaved down his beard and he has his hair grown out more. And so I was like, okay, he has a different look. I'm like, yeah, trade, trade. Like, so I get why your friends would say that, yes. But this all goes off of what we were raised to believe people are supposed to look like, you know, how people are supposed to act. So in listening to you saying that you're you're becoming more comfortable in yourself, I like that, you know? That, that's where we all need to be able to get to. At 43, I can honestly say that I've reached the point where, one, I was never ashamed of my sexuality, but I can't lie and say that I didn't have certain points in my life where I paid attention to the way that I walked down the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, so to be where I am now, and to not care because Joey, you met my little brother Joey at work, right? Like he was the uh, nurse. No, I haven't. I haven't met him. You never met Joey? Yeah. Okay. So he was our um, nurse practitioner, and so he's been in my life about as long as Mario has been. Okay. And so he he'll see me walking down the street, and he was like, "The way you switch," and I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" Like, in my mind, I'm like, I don't switch. What are you talking about? He was yeah. like, you can't help it. You have a big butt. <laughs> he was like, but you switch a lot. And, like, before, if I was younger, that probably would have gotten in my head and would have messed with me. But now I'm like, it is what it is, you know? <laughs> that, I think I used to hear that a lot when I was younger, too. And I think, like you said, the big booty at a young age, like, you just be... Right. Just <laughs> moving your hips. Like, why was I blessed with a booty? Like, I don't know. But I don't know. Right? If I would have heard that at a younger age, that would have stuck in my mind and stayed. Like, it stayed. Loop, like, loop, loop. Like, anytime I'm walking wrong, I'm, are you walking like a girl? Yeah. Right. That part. That part. Around your age was when people first started making comments about my butt. So it was like around 21, 22 was when people first started making comments about it. But the comments about the way that I walk, like when people would say it, I would always say to myself, I don't know what I'm doing. Because like you said, it's the hips. I'm not attempting to walk any kind of way. It's the way that I'm shaped that makes it look that way. Yeah. You know. So it's like at this age now, I'm like, baby, that's just confidence. That's all that is. <laughs> Own it and staying with it. That's all it is. Own, Own it and staying with it. Listen, don't make me change the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it will be called Owning and Staying With It in a Heartbeat. Staying with it. I love 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 it. Uh, okay. So talk to the misfits about your backstory a little bit. So I have a bunch of questions all under this one question. So I don't want to confuse you too much. So we'll take it step by step. So the first question is, where are you from? I'm from Belmont, North Carolina. Um, even further than that, I would just say Gaston County. I've lived in many places within Gaston County. So I would just say Gaston County. So Gastonia, if you know that gas house, Belmont, <laughs> um, Kings Mountain is in uh, Cleveland County, but I've also lived there, so around the lower North Carolina area, more the southern area. Okay, so as uh, as a queer boy, before you became a man, as a queer boy, what was it like growing up in your town? 
Um, so whenever I was younger, my mom had a friend who was gay, very flamboyant. He had lipstick, eyelashes, um, eyebrow. He drew his eyebrows on at that time. So because it was early 2000s, so I guess that was the fashion norm. My young right. Mother. But like he wrapped his hair up really nice and everything. And that was the only gay man I had ever saw openly, like living his truth, like being himself and right. Um, but as a gay man, like younger, like I never saw that. And and being in church when I was younger and stuff, of course they preached about like, you know, that homosexuality, don't be doing that. Men should not be with men and God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, like right. all of that. I heard that a lot growing up. And like I said, my town is small in this country, very conservative, um, Pentecostal church, like all those things, all those factors shaped how I viewed myself at a young age early. So like, I was already kind of confused. I'm like, okay, I know I think so-and-so looks good, but like my pastor just said this, and, or I was just right. I should be doing this. So like, what do I do? So that was like a, something that I kind of like was my thing for a long time until I kind of matured in it and I just started seeking it out myself and yeah, becoming more and more comfortable with it. So, yeah. so I have my next question, but I kind of want to make it a two-parter. So let me know if you need me to repeat something. Because my next question was, what was, it, what was the experience like for you to liberate your spirit, aka coming out? I call it liberating your spirit. So, but I want to put on to that along with what was the experience like for you to liberate your spirit, you talked about how your mom had a queer friend when you were growing up. Yeah. Was your mom someone who could be friends with queer people, but didn't necessarily want her son to be queer? Yes, my mom was definitely like, she's always been a free spirit. She's accepting of everyone, essentially. Yeah. Um, but she was also like, mm, not. she didn't say it like, oh, my son can't marry no man. She would always say, I want grandkids. So that, right. was, that was what she would say. But I knew she would want me to do the whole marriage, husband, wife, kids. I know that's what she was saying, but she was also saying, like, I want grandkids. So and me being the only child and a, a, a boy, of course she would want me to kind of marry a woman, have that whole thing. So it was kind of like one of those unspoken things, but I know what she was saying, but like she wouldn't say, like, okay, you know, I play that gay stuff with them, but I don't but I guess she didn't say that, but like I knew. Right. So then what was it like when you liberated your spirit to her? Um, so at first it was kind of like it put a strain on our relationship because it's like at prior times it was always her and I and like we we're always communicating with each other. We were always like just constantly talking. We we've always had like good conversations. Like me and mom have always had good conversations, but it was during that time when I finally liberated my spirit where I feel like we we're on the same page and it was kind of confusing because it's like during those times where we were talking I thought we were I was liberating my spirit but when it came to me even taking a, another step further it was kind of like um I don't think you hear me and we're not you're not understanding what I'm saying and you're gaslighting me and so now we definitely can't, aren't communicating so it just added a lot of strain and I feel like now it's just kind of a matter of just always being sure that we're communicating effectively like, yeah understanding what i'm saying i'm understanding what you're saying and just going about it in those ways <clears throat> so you so you have seen growth yeah i've saw a tremendous amount of growth like nice. I feel like she, she understands me like essentially i am the same person it's just this is just 
my lifestyle. Like I, I bring the same character set. I, I bring the same skills. Like it's, I'm still the same person. It's just what, how I practice those skills, like, or how I practice that character. Like just a different lifestyle than you would want. But yeah, so it, it's a lot better. It's a lot, lot better. So what you were saying just now, I think is a, a great segue into what the next question is, because this whole need to have that conversation with somebody about how I'm no different, I'm still the same, mm -hmm. and how that's not something that straight people have to do. That's the conversation that we have to have, you know? So my next question for you, do you believe in 2023 liberating one's spirit should even still be, be a thing anymore? Now, mind you, it's a reality, but do you feel as though it should still be a thing? I don't, I don't think people should make it into a thing. Um, I've been trying to be a trailblazer for like for not making it into a thing. Like I don't want people to find out that I prefer men. I don't, I don't really want that to be a thing. Like You just see me with my balloon and be like, oh, that's you. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Right. Like I wanted to be a situation like that at all times. I don't want to feel like I have to make it a very, oh, let's sit down, y'all. Um, this is what's going on. I don't need it to be that because I feel like any other person wouldn't do that. So I think, yeah, I feel like our, my generation is trailblazing that, like pushing that forward. There's no sit down and talking. Like this is what it is, and this, this is, is what it is. So respect me. I'll communicate to you how I feel like I need to be respected through this, and. You choose whether or not you want to respect me in that, or I'll, I'll choose if I want to talk to you anymore. Like it's, it's just simple. Come on, talk about it. Yeah. That right, whew, you always make me knock over my laptop <laughs> because the way that you're speaking is the way that I spoke when I was your age. You know, that's the way that I handle things, and I know that you and I are unique because that's not everybody's story. Yeah. But it's like you. I pray and I put that energy out into the universe that more people can operate in that way. Because it's like, of course we love our family, but you have to understand, and I love that you keep saying things like communication. Mm -hmm. Communication is important, but you have to also realize that I'm not going to live a life where I'm lying to myself, where I'm pandering to whatever it is the society wants me to say, and that I'm going to be miserable so you all can be happy. Right. So we have to make a decision of where respect is going to show up, where communication is going to show up, or where I vanished from the equation, mm -hmm. period, mm -hmm. you know? And it's it's like, it's it becomes a difficult conversation because of course family means a lot to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But the difficult conversation that I think a lot of queer and trans people don't want to have is one the creation of the family that you make you know but also the seriousness of getting your blood family to understand where you're coming from because a lot of times we'll kowtow to what it is that they want and we'll be like okay if you don't want me to talk about it around you around the holidays if you don't want me to bring my partner or my boyfriend around i won't do that instead of standing in our truth mm -hmm. and saying this is what it is and the last thing i'll say is because i've what, what you said i really felt and i really appreciate you saying that because i feel like more people around your age need to be trailblazers and saying those things is i am not wrong for putting my foot down for generations, it's been a thing of I've been made to feel like the black sheep 
or I've been made to feel like the wrong one. No, actually, it's you, you know. And what I've told a lot of my clients as a life coach is that oftentimes your parents love you. A lot of times that ignorance is what makes them do the things that they do. They want you to be safe, but they don't have the language to be able to tell you that they want you to be safe. So it comes out in these very nasty, dismissive type ways, you know? So that's why what you said about communication is important. They need to be able to verbalize without hate what it is they're concerned about and why they think things are wrong. And on the other end, we have to be able to communicate without hate why it is that we believe that they should understand and respect who we are. That's where it starts with proper communication. And then we go from there. And I feel like me and my mom, we've, we've definitely grown alive. Like we've made so many efforts at just being real with each other. Like, okay, this was going on in my life and this was going on in my life. How can I assist you in it? And I feel like that was the first step into us being able to effectively communicate with each other. Like, mm. help you in that. Like, and how can how can you know who I am at this point in my life and not who I was at ten years old? Like, who I am at twenty two, and this is why I need you to help. This is how I can I see you fitting in, but let me know if you if you can. Let me know if that works for you. Just let me know, type of. And it's the same. And I try to and I try to do the same thing for her. Like, I see this. You told me this. How can I assist you in that, that thing that you said that you wanted? How can I help you? And I feel like staying in that realm and not just this, you're my son and I'm your, like that dynamic, like that will always be because our foundation. Right. As I'm older, it's like, okay, I have to like literally communicate with my mom and let her know how I need her to support me in my life. And like she has to do the same thing with me. Like not just assuming like, oh, my mom wants me to be the man of the house. Right. No. 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 Knowing exactly what she needs and how she feels like, not assuming nothing. It is the adamant no for me. That's what. That's what it is for me. It's the adamant no. <laughs> I'm here for it. Okay. So what are your thoughts on how other generations view Gen Z? You all are constantly being called lazy, entitled, etc. They say that you want everything, but you don't want to put in a lot of work for it. Where do you think this derives from? I feel like, okay, I understand that technology has like been one of those things that kind of pushes my generation forward, but also kind of holds us back. So I understand how they could, the laziness, I see where that comes from. But at the same time, I feel like our, my generation is very critical, that we're all critical thinkers, like very like problem solve based brain. I feel like that's, we have that naturally. And of course that comes from past generations because they had to figure out their situations given the conditions and circumstances they were in. I understand that. Um, I, but I think they got lost in those circumstances and those conditions to the point they didn't realize like, oh, the ones who live to tell the story are the ones who have the character that's going to pass them to the next generation. And so I feel like they don't see them, they don't see parts of themselves in us 
So mm-hmm. they kind of lost in how our circumstances kind of like should they perceive it as lazy, but no, like we're just kind of like what y'all wanted. Y'all wanted us to be, y'all wanted this lifestyle, but you wanted the next generation to be like this. So like remember that. Like, but also cherish the fact that y'all did what y'all did. Y'all went through what y'all went through, wars, you know, civil rights. Like there's just so many things that y'all endured and everything, but for it to pass on that trait to us as a generation, my generation. So I think they kind of get lost in the fact that we are what y'all wanted. Like mm. Mm. So do you think that it's kind of like, in? I feel like jealousy is a strong word. I feel like that's a strong word. But do you feel as though maybe envy is a good one to go with? Maybe, and it may be subconscious, you know? There's a slight envy in the sense that, like what you said, older generations fought for you all to be where you are now. And do you think maybe there's a slight envy that you all get to reap the benefits I think there's a lack of honor. I think my generation does doesn't do enough of honoring those who come. Mm. Kind of like it's like, oh, y'all can't even respect the fact that elders pulled the way for y'all. I feel like it becomes off. I don't think it's really in me. It's just more of like a why y'all not respecting me. I don't know the word for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like why are y'all not respecting who who became before us and so that absolutely absolutely and it's like oh dang why they so mad but like as a generation we're just not honoring leaders past people who did it before us and so yeah i see that but i think that goes back to what you said as far as you and your mom communication you know that's once again the thing where there are multiple generations not even just two there are multiple generations who don't communicate properly and I that was how it, go ahead also is it is it due to the fact like are a lot of young people connecting with older people mm-hmm. i don't like if i'm not at church i'm not really talking to nobody who's that much older than me like i'm not talking to no 40 year old 50 year old my mom is 40 so like that's the oldest i go but like i'm not talking to an elder right so i feel like people who spend a lot of time around their grandparents they typically have a better that they 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 were to practice honoring elders like they they do that because they have to speak with their grandparents and everything like that. So I wonder if it's like are is my generation spend a lot of time with older people? <laughs> like yeah, problem. Baby boomers are deep in the in the elder world right now. So like right. I wonder like is that the disconnect? Like just not enough. See, you're giving me some ideas. You give me some ideas. <laughs> give me some ideas. Like the, these kind of things make me then begin to think of like different town halls and things that we can have to begin to make those conversations happen. You know, take advantage of technology because, of course, you and I are in two different cities right now. So, like, think of ways that we can bring these generations together to be able to have those conversations because that's important, you know, and especially for us. As queer people, I was having a conversation with a friend earlier today about how we have so many elders who have passed on, you know, and we don't really have them in our community the way that we should. And for those who are still here, we need to celebrate them and lift them up for sure. So I'm glad that you said that because it gives a balance to things, you know, on one end, there could be envy for all of the work that was put in and it's like you get to reap and where we didn't get to see what it is you see on the flip side it's well we all are also not honoring you the way that we should 
and showing up for you all the way that we should. So nice, nice. Um, okay, so as as earlier stated in the beginning of our conversation, you recently moved and you have a new home in ATL. Did we mention that earlier? Oh, <laughs> oh we were chatting about it, but I don't think we mentioned it on the uh... right. We, we we talked about it offline. But yes, so you were in my former home of ATL where I first started this podcast. So what are your goals in this new chapter of your life and how will it contribute to your legacy as you evolve in this world? So I think my main goal um, while here in Atlanta is to graduate from medical school. And right now, I'm, I will be this upcoming fall, I'll be working towards my master's in public health. At Emory. So I'm excited about that, but I think in that I have to kind of network in a way that will be one beneficial to my professional career, but also to my like friendships and relationships. I feel like having those two relationships um, or those seeds planted in, in my relationship world, I feel like will allow me to really successfully do well in medical school. So I feel like I'm, I know I'm going to need that social support, but I'm also going to need those mentors and and opportunities to kind of push me forward so like growing in my academics in my professional life but also in my social life just building a nice network of people to kind of push me forward here in Atlanta so um I think that's my one of my main goals um and I, I recognize the small goals it's going to take to get to that bigger goal so Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, for many generations, mental health has either been something totally ignored or ridiculed. With Gen Z, many of you embrace that level of self-care. So while you can't speak to the whole of your generation when it comes to this, why do you believe Gen Z understands the importance of self-care on a level that other generations haven't? I think I think what really first thing that came to mind, I think about the the black man who's the pawpaw, he's just a little bit grumpy. He's always just frowning or just tight or just just not smiling all the time. Like he just, I think about how that, those actions, those behaviors just kind of is a buildup of all the discrimination, the prejudice, the hardships, the wars, mm -hmm. the dims, like poverty, like all that, those, a lot of those things that kind of showed up that could have impacted that black man's life and how he didn't do anything to kind of like heal himself or grow. I'm sure he was growing, but kind of like just walk through that space. With yeah. Freedom. Like, you know, like made it through cool, but like happy, whole joy, letting right. go of trauma, like and how it kind of like reflects into the, the grandbabies, the, the nieces and nephews. It's like, oh, Pop Pop always got a frown on his face. Well, what was going on with him? So I think knowing that that black man exists kind of pushes me to kind of, I know the man I want to be and I, I want to be seen as like the healer of the family. Like you can come talk to me. Like you, I, I'm I'm the nice soft uncle. Like I'm, I'm like, let's talk, like let's chat, like let's be vulnerable. Like, um, I want all my boy cousins to really know, like, I'm the cousin that you can cry to. Like, you don't got to be put the shell up the wall and all that. Like, so that's why I care so much about self-care and just knowing that that man exists and how that's really relevant in the Black community is just seeing that those type of behaviors show up and how that kind of reflects on what you think of, well, this is getting to another thing, but just how you think of a man, how <laughs> it should be and, like, just those behaviors that seem normal, but the whole time it's not Right, right. I, I appreciate that you use the word soft in such a positive way. 
I think that that's still a journey that we're on. I've had conversations with both cis queer men and cis het men who are still uncomfortable with the word soft being a positive, you know? So I, I kind of think that's like the next level of conversations we need to be, begin to have because there are a lot of words that people have become comfortable with, but something about soft still bothers them. Yeah, like, <laughs> that soft love always. Like. Listen, listen, like that we, we have been, and, and when I say we, I mean, even your generation, like, because generations pass down things. Trauma is passed down. And it's like, so even in our younger generations, there's a hardness that people have tried to embed in us. And it's like one by one, we have to make a choice of how we're going to operate in the world, you know? And so it's like, when we hear that term soft, it's supposed to be derogatory, but it's the same thing. And, you know, and on the, on this podcast, I always let people know we can, we can say whatever we want. You can curse if you want to. So I'm about to use a word that some people might be like, ooh. But when we hear the word pussy, it's supposed to be so derogatory, but the things that the female organs, <laughs> the female genitalia has to endure in this life. And we're supposed to be offended when you call us that? I would think I was strong and mighty the whole time. Listen. I bring forth life. Hello? Talk Hello. about it. Talk Hello. about it. Like what? I am create, I create life. Like legit, like, this world wouldn't be populated if not for me. And I'm supposed to be offended when somebody says that I'm that? What? Literally, literally, literally. But that gets us into a whole conversation about patriarchy, and we that that's a whole other episode. So. <laughs> well, I was saying earlier, I said, "Oh, this is going somewhere else. Let me go ahead and bring it back. right. <laughs> bring it on back. Bring it on back. Bring it on back. Bring it on back." <laughs> Okay, so lastly, this is the Healing Space Podcast. So whenever I have conversations with people, I always want to know about what healing looks like for you, you know? And you can see that as self-care. You can take the word healing in any direction you want. But what does healing look like for you? Healing looks like cooking me a, a big meal, taking the time to chop all my veggies, wash off my meats whatever season them up really well oil my pans like cooking a good meal and being like like following a system doing step by step is very healing for me um it makes me feel like i'm creating something i love being in a, a creative space or a creative spirit like i just like being in that space i feel like it allows me to really like be grounded and everything um, but also journaling. Journaling is very healing for me. Uh, and I feel like that goes back to being able to create, being able to write and see what I'm see what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, but also seeing it on like paper to understand it and allow it to be processed back to me. Um, yeah. Are those two things, cooking and journaling, really allows me to heal. Nice. Nice, nice. Okay. So I always give people an opportunity to share with the Misfit universe any social media information if you're okay with people walking with you. Now that's if you're okay. If you don't want anybody walking with you and you want to stay anonymous, you can. But if anybody would like to walk with you, this is your opportunity to provide them with some info. 
so I can be reached on Instagram. Um, I don't really use any other social media sites, um, but I can be reached at KGAM, K-G-A, three M's. Yes, I think I think it's three M's. But also uh, my nonprofit organization, Good Girls by Good Guys, uh, double G by G. So that's D-O-U-B-L-E-G-B-Y-G. Um, Good Girls by Good Guys. Uh, we're going to be based in Atlanta now. Um, looking to just be give back to the community best as we can and um, just continue developing my public health journey and everything. So. Wait a minute. Pause, 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 pausington. <laughs> Did you say you have a nonprofit? Yes. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. How did that not show up at any point during this entire conversation? Like, Look, what? We only come up. Okay, Stay that's tuned. not fine. That's fine. All that means is that you're coming back to the podcast again. That's all. That's all. We're just gonna follow up. We're gonna follow up. Stay <laughs> going. Yeah. I'm really- you don't get to be a brother who comes away with a whole nonprofit and then slips it at the end like it ain't nothing. Like, what? <laughs> what? Come back. I'll be excited to come back. Super I have to listen real quick. Like, what was what was just said? <laughs> Run back one more time. Wow. Right. One more time. Like, let me make sure I heard you right. Okay. Okay. So we want to thank Zakivius for being on here with us. As stated, he will return. And yeah, that is all for right now. And we'll be right back, Misfits. And now it is time for good news. And the good news is, it looks like the next generation knows what to do. They got their heads on straight, as some of the older cats would say. Thank you so much to Imani, to Michelle, and Zakivius for giving us their time and being here on The Healing Space to let us know that for all of the older generations who may assume that the younger generations just quote-unquote don't get it, they do. They're putting in the work. And with so many generations, this is how it often works out, you know, uh, older generations look at younger generations and wonder what's going to happen to the world. But the truth, the truth is more often than not, it's the toxic ways of living from the older generations that are passed down to the younger generations that continue to have us going in negative directions. So the question shouldn't be asked of the younger generation, it should be asked of those that preceded them. So what are you doing to make the world better? To make it a better place for the young people to do better, you know? We're constantly having these revolutionary people come along, you know? Fists raised in the air because they want change and they're seen as the problem. But it's the other way around. And we have to reach a point where those who are older are willing to see and accept that. That things are going to change, and while we may fight against change, evolution is inevitable. So I'm thankful that I was able to have these three young spirits on here to talk about how they plan to help the world evolve. So we're going to go. As always, if you'd like to be able to walk with me on social media, you have the option of my mental health page, which is Raven Ekundayo, or my... uh, 
yoga page, which is Scorpiogi. So I have them perfectly split up now. If you want to focus on mental health and breath work and things of that nature, that's the Raven Akundayo page. If you want to focus on yoga and Reiki and things of that nature, you'd go over to the Scorpiogi page. I personally would love if you added both. <laughs> if you want to walk with uh, THS, that would be THS on a THS podcast on Instagram, on Facebook. It's underscore THS podcast on Twitter. Uh, my bad. Yeah, it's Scorpiogi everywhere. Scorpiogi across all social media platforms, as well as the website, Scorpiogi.com. Uh, and for the love movement and all things THS, you would go to WeRTLM.com. And that's everything. We are done for this week, Misfits. We do have episodes coming up every week this month. So the flyer, the episode has already been recorded and done for next week. So <laughs> you can be sure, unlike other times where I said there's going to be an episode and then you don't hear from me for five months. There is absolutely an episode next week so that you all can find out what's been going on with me since the last episode. Thank you so much for being here with us. I love you always, Misfits. And until next time, namaste. Namaste.